A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mobile is one of the biggest illegal dumps in Europe. It's on a scale with some of those created by Italian mafia organizations. This was going on day after day. Trucks coming in. This wasn't a fly-by-night operation. This wasn't being stuffed. You know, with a lorry coming and dropping stuff off in the dead of night. It's 116 acres of contaminated ground on the banks of the River Fawn. To talk about illegal dumping that had taken place, illegal waste, is essentially getting planning permission to do so. And it's just half a kilometre from the outskirts of Derry City. Much of Derry's drinking water comes from that river, and significantly it comes downstream of where this site is. And at this 116-acre site, there is buried something like a million tonnes. That was done illegally, but it's leaching gradually into the river and into the environment. But nothing has been taken away. A decade after it was discovered. The proceeds of Waste Prime are astronomical. We need fines that act as a genuine deterrent and indeed sentences. We need to send out a message that crime doesn't pay by ensuring that the polluter does pay. Who's responsible for the dump? How did they get away with it for so long? And why are the authorities refusing to look at evidence of the criminality which went on there? Our Northern Ireland editor Sam McBride joins me. He's been up at the site and pursuing the story. Sam, welcome to the Bell Tale once again. So this dump at Moboy, where is it exactly and what is it exactly? Moboy is about a mile outside Londonderry. It's on the banks of the River Fauchan. That's a very significant river. It's significant for a population of Atlantic salmon, which are endangered, but it's more significant because much of Derry's drinking water comes from that river. And significantly, it comes downstream of where this site is. And at this site, at this 116-acre site, a massive, massive area, there is buried something like a million tonnes, at least a million tonnes we think, but we don't really know. That was done illegally. We don't know precisely what's there, but it's leaching gradually into the river and into the environment. After a decade of the government knowing that that's there, after they shut this site, after years of ignoring warnings about it, nothing has been dug out of the ground there. 
So, one million tonnes of waste illegally dumped close to a riverbank. Below that point is where Londonderry gets its water from. One would assume this is, is an emergency then for the authorities to, to, to solve this problem. Well, if it is an emergency, it doesn't look or feel like an emergency in terms of how Stormont has dealt with this. This site was a site that was essentially an open secret. I've spoken to lots of people who live in the area, people who have an interest in the river, people who have been campaigning on this issue. And what they keep saying is that this was an open secret. People knew what was happening here. You cannot bury a million tonnes of rubbish at a site on a tiny country road, which is what this is, and people not realise what's going on. It got to the extent that Stormont sent an inspector as part of the routine process of looking at um, at people who have waste licenses, they went out to the scene. They thought that they could sense that they could detect landfill gas. They measured it using their equipment. They recommended to their superior, we should dig into this site and find out why there's gas here. There's not meant to be gas here because it's not meant to be a landfill site. This is meant to be a recycling centre. This is where people are putting stuff into their blue bins. It's going here, it's being sorted, and it's meant to be sent off to be processed. Why is there landfill gas here? Nothing happened about that. And the following year, allegedly, that individual was moved out of that role. When you put that together with the long history of this site, of warnings being ignored, warnings being disregarded, it's a deeply suspicious situation. So let's look at the time frame, right? Because I think it's important to understand how far this goes back. So in 1996, a company called Campsea Sand and Gravel starts quarrying on the Moboy Road. At the same time, around 1996, Derry City Council gives city and industrial waste. Uh, there's an agreement there in terms of waste disposal for a dump at Moboy. Now, this transpires to be at the same site. For me, alarm bells would have went off at that stage. There's a recycling facility added to the site in 2004. There's a closure for the landfill site then at 2008. Um, And then we find, as you say, the gas is detected. And then the locks agency report that material was being dumped and shredded. They were ignored. The environmental agency in 2009 found illegal dumping Again, ignored. We can't, we, we, we'll have to keep using the same verb, ignored. And Stormont gave an anonymous report of waste being buried at night. Licenses were revoked in 2013 and, and the site is shut. Now that is 10 years ago. You've been up there. Is the rubbish visible? What can you see up there? So I had written about this story. I'd read about this story. I didn't really have a sense of what this site was like until I went there. And there were two things that struck me about it. The first was the disturbing ordinariness of this site. This is a typical Northern Ireland country road. You're driving down it. You wouldn't think there's anything out of the ordinary whatsoever. There's an overgrown hedge. There are big banks just beyond that hedge. You don't really see anything beyond there. That was probably deliberate that um, those banks allegedly were built using waste and then covered in soil. But at this point, there has been a fine layer of soil applied many years ago, and it's basically overgrown scrubland. That's what it looks like. There are trees growing, there's wildlife there. There is a large lake in one part of it, a very large lake. Swans are on that lake. It looks like a rewilding project. 
there are only really two visible hints of what lies there. The first is that the supposed recycling facility, which is a series of enormous sheds, a way bridge, um, a track down into there, that's all still there. It's crumbling, it's rusting, part of the roof is blown off, but it's still there. It's clearly some sort of industrial site. And then further up, there is this lake, which is known locally as the Bubbling Lake. And that is a very large pond through which this landfill gas to this day continues to bubble. And right up to the hedge, which borders that lake, there are, there are livestock grazing. There are crops being grown. There is no sort of exclusion zone around this. this. This is not like Chernobyl. This is not something which is treated as a serious site of contamination. There is plastic blowing into the adjoining fields. It's only when you start looking really closely at this site that you start to realise what's beneath the ground. But you did find documents, you did find identifiable documents, including documents belonging to the PSNI at that site. So this site is meant to be one from which the public are excluded. It's meant to be a crime scene. It's meant to be a a scene of serious pollution, somewhere that is not safe for the public to be. And actually, that's not what I found at all. To my surprise, the site is essentially open to the public. It's unsecured. There's nobody there stopping you getting in. Actually, there is a hole cut in the bars of the main gate. I just walked through that and wandered into the site and had a look around to see what was there because I wanted to see for myself. What I didn't expect to see was that when I got down into the yard, at one end of the yard, beyond these huge sheds where the waste went, there is this run-down, crumbling office block. It had some sort of roof on it at one point. That has come in largely. The top floor has largely collapsed. All of the windows have been broken. The doors are off their hinges. And when I looked through one of these windows, I could see documents. I reached in. I lifted one of the documents. I could, I could hold it in my hand. And I thought, what on earth is going on here? I did not expect to see this. I went into this building. I could see that somebody had started a fire in the middle of it. They tried to burn the building or burn part of the building. Some of the documents are burnt completely. Some of them have their edges singed, but it hadn't really taken hold. The building's still there. You can still read lots of this stuff. And this is an extraordinary series of documents. There are financial records from the company that was responsible for this dumping. There are um, very significant employee records. There are very personal um, aspects of that in terms of people's individual identifiable national insurance numbers, how much they were paid, um, when they were paid, how much national insurance was paid for them to HMRC. There are copies of checks. There are copies of internal emails. There is all manner of information here. And the astonishing thing is that I walked into that site off the road, not being tipped off about it, not knowing that it was there, and I found it. I wasn't the first person there. The authorities have been there, and they've chosen not to lift that. And so I went to the authorities, and I said, look, this is sitting there. It's something which might be of help to you in your criminal prosecution case. It might be of help in terms of tracing who who all was responsible for this and in terms of knowing what is actually beneath the ground here. And I thought that something would be done about it. And six weeks later, I went back and they were all still sitting there. Well, they charged me on a thousand pound a ton. And and one day, they they dumped 18 tonnes. Well, Sam, you've mentioned papers and some of them may be confidential and certainly you wouldn't be expecting to find them uh, visible on this site. But I suppose some people might be listening and they might think, well, uh, perhaps what is buried here fundamentally is simply a paper. 
But that's not the case. We know that's not the case. There are many things buried in the ground at this site which simply should not be there. That's right. I mean, the, 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 the most simple way to answer what you're asking as to what is beneath the ground is that we just don't know. That, that is the honest answer. We don't know how much there is. We don't know the nature of it. We know some of it, but we actually don't really understand what is beneath the ground there. But in 2016, there were specialist engineers who were employed by Stormont to drill and dig into parts of the site. So they went around in various locations and they took away samples and had those tested in a laboratory. In one area, they observed um, a very strong sulfur odour. Um, in, a, in a different area, there was a strong foul odour, they said. They found car parts, they found hydrocarbons, they found metals, batteries. There was manufacturing waste from two companies in Northern Ireland. And they said that in one of the test pits that they had dug, the water was effervescent. It was cola-like. It was bubbling. On one other test pit, there was potentially deadly chrysotile asbestos, and the lead in some of the laboratory samples exceeded the safe guidelines in nine of the areas that they tested. In one area, it was more than seven times the legal limit for an area in which crops are grown. In one of the boreholes, there was chloride that was four times higher than the European drinking water standard. And there was this one soil sample that was found to have 140 times 140 times the normal level of total petroleum hydrocarbons. That was so high that the the lab which tested it was unsure if that sample was accurate. So we don't know if that's accurate. But what we do know is that multiple other samples were far above what would have been normal for that particular pollutant. Now, planners took 18 enforcement cases against the two companies involved with this site back in 2004. So in a sense, symbolic action was taken. But of course, over the following nine years, licenses aren't revoked and the site isn't shut down by the authorities until 2013. Period of nine years from the enforcement cases to actually enforcing the enforcement. Now, I could go down to Belfast City Hall today and I could throw away a wrapper and there's every possibility that I would be spotted and fined for that by an eagle-eyed person who's responsible for that. And yet, in plain view, in, with full knowledge of the authorities, two companies are responsible for dumping up to one million tonnes of waste. I mean, many people might happen. Just how do you get away with that? And what is wrong with our political system that you can do that? I think that if you were to dump a single trailer load of illegal waste at the home or the garden of a senior civil servant, you would not be treated in the way that these people were treated. That is the reality. There is no way that you would be um, allowed to keep doing that year after year, that people would turn blind eyes when they were told what was happening. They would ignore it. And then after it was ca- after they were caught doing this, that, 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 the, that the situation would be handled in the way that it, that it has been handled. There were two companies involved in this. 
this. Campsy sand and gravel were basically quarrying during the day. They were doing that without planning permission. That's a separate aspect of this. So they were breaking the law there. And city industrial waste were then filling those holes at night with what was meant to be recyclable material. They were shredding it. That made it harder to work out where it had come from, made it harder to trace the um, the chain of events here. And two individuals late last year pleaded guilty at last to what had happened here. They'd long denied that they'd done anything wrong. Finally, now they accept, yes, they are criminals. They broke the law. They are Campsy Sand and Gravel director Paul Doherty. He was 64 at the time he pleaded guilty. He's from Culmore Road in Londonderry. And he pleaded guilty to seven charges of illegally depositing controlled waste, keeping controlled waste, and keeping controlled waste in a manner likely to cause pollution or harm human health. City Industrial Waste Director Jerry Farmer, who was then 54, pleaded guilty to three similar charges, as did his company. Other charges were left on the books for another director of City Industrial Waste, 55-year-old Jared O'Malley, a businessman from Ballin Temple Road in Kalevi in South Armagh, and for Campsy Sand and Gravel itself. But initially, the defendants had faced a total of 42 charges, some of them far more serious around criminal charges, um, saying that they had taken millions of pounds in criminal property. Those are not being processed at this at this minute, and we're now awaiting sentencing for these individuals. Their lawyers have commissioned reports that dispute how serious um, what they did actually was. They say that what, what, what happened was not as bad as it's been made out. We're awaiting that being decided by a court, but I think that it's fair to say that there is not an expectation that these individuals are going to face really stiff sentences of the sort that would deter people from doing this again. Have any of these individuals tried to explain themselves? Have they ever spoken to the media with regards to this? What's their outlook? What's their view? Initially, all of these individuals were bullish about this. They were indignant that people were asking them awkward questions about this. They they presented themselves as respectable businessmen, as a respectable company. Um, they were on the front cover of a magazine um, for recycling. They were presenting themselves as people who were serious in this industry, as big players, as people who were doing the right thing and doing it professionally. They didn't like um, they didn't like reporting about this. There was a very um, famous or infamous um, incident where BBC Spotlight investigated this about 10 years ago and they tracked Paul Doherty down to the golf course and the BBC reporter walked onto the putting green to ask him questions because he'd been refusing to answer their questions in writing and he was indignant that she was on the putting green without the proper shoes. He thought that she might be damaging the golf course. Meanwhile, he had been involved in trashing more than 100 acres of Northern Ireland countryside, something which is leaching into Derry's drinking water supply. But that didn't bother him. The thing that annoyed him was that his golf course might get damaged slightly. There's a fascinating aspect to this story that in 2016, a dying man in a Derry hospital summons a local representative because he wanted to confess to his role, his small role, in this story and he understood that he had transported toxic waste to this dump now again we've explained already in the podcast what we understand what has been found there but we don't know exactly but but clearly this individual understood that he had transported some very serious waste uh, material to that site 
This, this is a very dramatic aspect of this story. Joe Ferguson summoned Eamon McCann, who was then the, the people before Prophet MLA for Foyle, to his bedside in hospital where he knew he was dying and he didn't have long to live. He struggled to get some of the words out. He was catching his breath at various points. He was, he was, actually, in, he, he was, he was actually fully indistinguishable at various points in this tape. This tape emerged earlier this year in a BBC Radio 4 podcast series which looked at this in a European context, which looked at how Mo Boy compares to what the Italian Mafia does. And that's really the only thing you can compare it to in Europe. It's that big, which is an extraordinary thing to think about in this, this rural, sleepy corner of Northern Ireland. And what Joe Ferguson wanted to get off his chest was that he had done this thing that was criminal. He'd been involved in it, yes, at a relatively low level, but he was involved and he knew he was involved and he wanted to warn people that what was underneath the ground there was dangerous and people needed to take it seriously and he kept saying these words dig it out dig it out that's what he wanted but that's what hasn't happened to this day you know what you should have to do put a ticket down and dig it up well that's the big question we know we know it's there we know it's polluting so what's what is being done about it well, there are lots of consultants' reports. There's lots of feverish activity in offices at Stormont about this. There's lots of paper being pushed. But in terms of actually getting the waste out of the site, nothing has happened. Nothing whatsoever has happened to take waste that's buried out of that site. In 2017, there was an incident where the River Fawhan burst its banks. It borders this site for more than a mile. And that was a very serious situation. It literally flowed through the dump site. It flowed in and it flowed out again. And Derry's drinking water was taken after that had happened. What Stormont says is that it never breached the guidelines for safe drinking water. It says that the level of contamination was diluted sufficiently, that people shouldn't worry about it. That's probably easy to say if you're not drinking that water. I'm not sure I'd want to drink that water. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure that some of the people in Stormont would want to be drinking that water. And what, what, what has happened since then is that Stormont has improved the bank safety there. It has made it harder for that aspect to happen again. But the waste is still there. People who are campaigning on this issue, people like the River Fawhan Anglers, Dean Blackwood, who is, a, who is a former civil servant who was involved in enforcement against other sites in a, in a past career, he wants it dug out. There may be good reason for that. If this waste is taken away, if it's put in a line dump somewhere else, in a landfill site, in an authorised site, that, at least for a limited period, contains this. It stops it getting into the water table. It stops it getting into rivers and into streams. But there is a deeper truth here, that if this is dangerous material, if we continue to throw this stuff in the black bin and we just want it away from our house, we don't want to think about it. We want it out of sight, out of mind. It has to go somewhere. And somebody has to live beside that site. Somebody has to be close to it. And the truth here is that if this is going to be dug out, if it is going to be put into a landfill site, there's going to be an enormous bill, probably something in the region of £200 million. And to put that into context, in a stormant budget, which is under enormous pressure for things like health and education, that would pay for the salaries of about 6,000 nurses for an entire year. That's the scale of what happened here. And that's why I think this actually is never going to be dug out. It's going to sit there. It's going to leach into the water. It's going to leach into the water that people drink. And that's why this is such a big story for decades to come. I mean, this taxpayer's bill of £200 million, I mean, clearly individuals involved in this have made an incredible amount of money. And whatever, whatever, however this is dealt with in the end, 
I mean, it would seem, I suppose, to an awful lot of people, well, clearly they should pay for this, but that's highly unlikely if we're, if we're honest. Well, if history is a guide, that's highly unlikely. If there was any justice here, absolutely. The people who polluted would be the people who would pay for the pollution being undone insofar as that can be undone. But there's a far wider issue here. This is happening all over Northern Ireland. This is not one case. This is just the biggest one that we happen to know about. People are in the courts every year for illegal dumping, serious illegal dumping. We're not talking about dumping a sofa. We're talking about dumping tons and tons of waste illegally, sometimes in very sensitive, environmentally significant sites and almost invariably they get away with derisory fines. Fines that would not in any way deter you from doing something where there are millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of pounds to be made from doing this if you can do it on a big enough scale. Just to give you a, a, a single example of this, about a week ago, there was a man called Patrick Murphy, a 70-year-old man from the Ryan Road in Mayo Bridge. He was caught illegally dumping and he was fined just over a thousand pounds. That's about the cost of a sofa at Newry Magistrates Court for multiple offences in this area. He had faced five charges. That means that when you divide up that thousand pounds, it's 200 pounds an offence. Is that a serious deterrent to somebody doing this again? And there was an aggravating factor here. This was a site that had already been used for illegal dumping in the past, so it wasn't the first time this had happened at this site. And after he was caught um, on the second occasion where waste was being dumped at the site, the authorities arrived and ordered him to remove the waste. Rather than do that, they came back and they found it being burnt at the site. So this is a double problem at the site. They're now polluting the air as well as the land. And in that case, he gets fined the cost of a sofa. That is the way that Northern Ireland treats waste offences. It's almost as if, in a de facto sense, it's not illegal to dump waste on a massive scale in Northern Ireland. It's almost as if it's pretty much legal, or it's at least at the level of illegality that you would get for a serious traffic offence. It's not a serious offence. Sam, you have for many years written about this point, I suppose, where the attitudes of some in the public, um, the Northern Ireland Civil Service, and where and where the Northern Ireland body politic, where they all come together. Again, is this another example of where our political system and our civil service just doesn't work? Yes. In simple terms, the Assembly voted in favour of a public inquiry into the Mo Boy scandal in 2014. That's a long time ago. There hasn't been a public inquiry, but there's been a decision that there won't be a public inquiry. Edwin Putz was the minister at the time. He decided there's not going to be a public inquiry. It'll be a waste of money. It wouldn't really tell us very much. I'm paraphrasing broadly what, what he said at that point. But he could have been overruled. We know that our system at Stormont gives all of the parties a lot of clout. One person can't rule the roost. And if those other parties in the executive had decided to call us into the executive, they could have said, no, Mr. Putz, we are going to have a public inquiry. They chose not to do that. What does that tell you about our political system? I think there is a suspicion that a lot of people have a lot to lose from this. A lot of people don't, it seems, want to really get to the truth of what happened here. There are documents lying at that 
site, which have customer lists of who dumped there, which have got details of some of what was dumped there, which could help investigators go to those people and find out exactly what they did send to that site, which could do all manner of things. They aren't even being lifted. To this day, as far as I know, they're sitting there. No one will even pick them up. What does that tell you about our Stormont system at the minute without politicians? And what does it tell you about our system that when we had politicians, they didn't do much more than that? The one person in this, when I speak to people in the area who have campaigned on this, people who live close to this site, the one person in politics who gets a lot of credit here is Alex Atwood. He was the environment minister who shut this site. He went up there. He faced a lot of criticism. There were local politicians who denounced him when he shut this site. They said, this is a big employer in the area. They're a good company. They're a local company. They're doing good stuff here. How dare you come in here from Belfast and not understand what's happening here? He faced that down. He did the right thing. That showed that a single politician can do a lot of good, but far too often, a lot of politicians have done pretty much nothing in terms of getting to the bottom of what happened here and preventing it from happening again. Sam McBride, Northern Ireland editor with the Belfast Telegraph. Thank you very much. Thank you. This episode of the Bell Tell was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from Foil Films and the BBC. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.